0: This is the New Song Church podcast. You're listening to a service from our church in Oklahoma City. Wherever you're at today, we hope this helps you to better know God and to practice the way of Jesus. Now here's the message. Hey, would you help me welcome everybody that's watching online right now? So grateful wherever you're joining us today. Glad that you're with us. One more thing, Uh, if you are a veteran, I want you to stand up on your feet. All the vets that are in the room today, would you stand up? Yes, thank you, thank you. Stay standing for just a moment. I'm not trying to embarrass you, I promise do want to, we want to pray for you. And I want to just say on behalf of myself and our church, like, thank you. And and to everyone online, everybody who's serving, I'm so grateful that we have people who are standing and protecting our freedoms. I, we, we know, you know, obviously America is not perfect. We're a very d- divided nation. Uh, but I'm grateful that there are people who have gone and who have stood on a wall to protect our freedoms and to help Uh, us to be able to walk in so much of the great things that we have here in America. So to all of you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And if you would, would you extend your hands towards those around us who are veterans? Let's pray for them. And I also want to encourage you this weekend to just take time. If there's a veteran in your life, take time, send them a text, send them a note, send them a gift card, like do something for them and just tell them, thank you. Lord, we thank you for these people who have helped protect our country, who have chosen service, who've chosen to sacrifice and lay down moments and times in their life to help protect others and to uh, help us to experience and walk in the freedoms that we have in our country. We lift up the United States of America. We ask you to, to have your will in our country, Lord, move in our country. And Lord, for those who serve our country, Lord, we ask you to bless them in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you once again, yes. Hey, I want to let you in on a little bit of business, a little bit of New Song business. I want to talk about the future of New Song Church. Sound good? Yeah. So uh, many of you know, last year, about this time of year, uh, we did our Heart for the House campaign. For those of you who don't know, Heart for the House, every year, we invite you to help us to give above and beyond your regular tithes and offerings, to help us to further the call of what God has called us to do as a church. And, and last year, we told you what we felt like God was inviting us to do. Uh, was to build a building out on the 30 acres of land that we have out in the Deer Creek area. We asked you to help give towards a $750,000 we put before you, and you guys raised a million dollars. Yes, so awesome. And so we began this year uh, this process of preparing for Uh, Building out on that land and it has been a unique and interesting time things that when you sign up to be a pastor you don't know you're going to be dealing with some of this stuff like figuring out how much sewage a person is going to use when they come onto the grounds of a church six gallons just so you know that's what we have to prepare for six gallons for every one of you somebody's going to the bathroom a lot (laughs) that's what i'm saying like six gallons dang okay Uh, But like all sorts of land surveys and all sorts of stuff that we've been doing. And in the process of of doing all this, you you guys have felt this, like uh, America is different post-2020, right? Post-COVID, like everything is so much more expensive. I'm sure you're feeling that in your groceries. And in the construction world, it is true, 40%, construction is up 40% overall from where it was pre 2020. And so we went into this building project in 2019, 2020, thinking it would be about six to $8 million to build a building. Well, after doing all of our due diligence, our work, getting the land ready, doing all that stuff, getting architectural plans together, the construction company came back with the first bid of $14 million on the building, to which we said, okay, we need to make some adjustments, right? And so we started making some adjustments to, uh, to prepare for the building out there, but also to, to still have a functional building for our church. Because here's another interesting thing that's been going on in New Song Church since last year. Since this time last year to this time this year, we have grown as a church 40%. Yeah, like awesome. And you see it in here. Like obviously this room is pretty full, but I'm telling you, our kids' classrooms, the nursery, like those rooms are packed. And so we, we find ourselves in a season where we have to do something because we're, we're running out of room and we can only run so many services. I can only stand up and preach so many times before I'm gonna pass out, people. It's a lot, it's a lot. So, so we were looking at what's the next like time, You know, this next season gonna look like, like what are we gonna do? And, and, and to build that on the land, it was looking like 18 months, somewhere 18, even up, up to a couple of years until we'd have it all ready. Um, and so we, we first started trimming on this, on this building project. What can we do? We cut out the mezzanine, about 200 seats, but we still felt pretty comfortable. We cut our parking lot down a little bit. We did a bunch of cuts, HVAC. We did all this different stuff to cut everything down. After all of our cuts were made, we cut $3 million off of that amount of money, which is good, but it's still $11 million. And so we came back, and and I just felt like at that time, the Lord was really leading me to say, okay, is this the next step for our church? And to be honest, at the time, I felt like it it felt like a leap. And God doesn't lead us in leaps, just so you know. A leap of faith is not a biblical concept. God is a God of steps. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. God works in steps. And it felt like a leap, like we're going to leap into this, not knowing if, if one, we're going to be able to manage everything until we get in that building, and also, not knowing if, really, when we get to that building, if, by the, if the current growth rate stays the same, we're, we're not even going to be able to, that's not even going to be enough when we get there. And so, we, we started this process of going, okay, God, is there another step in between where we're at now and getting out on the land? And God led us to a building that we, we went and looked at and were very excited about that is going to be the next phase of New Song Church. So let me tell you a little bit about this building and get you as excited as I am about it, all right? First of all, it's 2.1 miles from here. And all the Edmond people said, amen. You Edmund people have been griping at me. Deer Creek, come on, right? 2.1 miles. It's right down here, Technology Drive, if you want to go look at it. Big old building. Uh, the building is actually bigger than the building we were going to be able to build out on the land by 5,000 square feet. The, the parking lot is triple the size of what we were going to be able to build out on the land. It's $3 million cheaper than what we were going to have to build out on the land. And here's my favorite part. We can get into this 10 months earlier than what we were going to get out on the land. Somebody say, sounds good, right? So we're pretty pumped about this, pretty excited about this. And so here's what we're inviting you to do. Ushers, if you would, go ahead and start handing out these cards. We've got these two cards we're going to give to you this morning. One just kind of explains a little bit more about what we're doing, the plan God has. And then the other one is inviting you to help us and participate in this. Here's the good news. It's an $8 million project. We already have a million of that in the bank. You guys already raised that, so it's a $7 million project now. But that still leaves seven million dollars that we need to come up with and we want to pay. We don't want to be in debt so we want to work this down. So here's what we're inviting you to do. On December 3rd and 4th we're inviting you to bring your best gift unto the Lord. As an act of worship under the Lord to bring a gift, get with your spouse if you're married, pray, ask God what he would have you do and then come ready to give an offering unto the Lord. to Kind of get the ball rolling on this and the second thing we're asking you to do is to make a two-year pledge that over the next couple of years, we're gonna start this in January, 2023. Every month, you're gonna give above and beyond your regular tithes and offerings to help us to pay down this $7 million debt. And and church, I hope that you're so excited about this. Like, it's gonna be so awesome. I remember, you you guys, some of you remember this. When we're moving into this building, we were in, you know, the school, and when we were in Noah's event venue, and we told you, okay, we're gonna get a building, but it's gonna be like grandma's basement while we're building our dream home. You guys remember that terminology? Well, this building is not gonna be grandma's basement. Like, this is, we're, we're calling this a really great starter home. Like, we're gonna go in and we're gonna make this beautiful. And we know more than ever before the vision for our house and what we wanna do and what we feel like God's called us to do. And so we are custom building this building to serve the needs of our church and to serve the needs of our community like never before. Our our classrooms for adults, for discipleship are gonna be amazing. Our classrooms for kids are gonna be amazing. What we can do with students is gonna be so great. And then the overall just worship. Uh, environment that we're going to be able to create is going to be so awesome and help us to do so much more with stuff like VBS for the community, serving the community, helping the community. This is going to be such a blessing and a gift. And, and I want you to see it as this. This is an investment into the kingdom of God. This is an investment into your kids. This is an investment into your teenagers. This is an investment into people who don't know God. In this building, we can run through in one service in this new building, what we run through in an entire weekend here at New Song Church right now. We can go from a church of about 1,200 people to a church of 5,000 people in this building. So it's going to be amazing. And I believe God is going to show up, show out, and do something amazing. And you may be going, man, Josh, it feels like you're being a little bold and a little aggressive with this, asking us to give stuff. Yes, I am. I absolutely am because I know how God works. When you sow into his kingdom, he sows into you. God is a good giver. And I'm telling you, I want everybody to participate. Like even you teenagers. Man, I got this when I was a kid, and it changed my life. I got how important it is to be a part of what God is doing and to sow financially into what God is doing. And I've seen God be faithful to me throughout my entire life. Every time I've ever, we don't give to get, but when you give, just because it's the nature of God, you're going to get blessed because of it. So let's go. You guys ready for this? (laughs) going to be so good, exciting stuff. Technology Drive, if you guys want to go by and look at it. Uh, we put in our offer this week. We're working on that. We'll let you know more in the days ahead. We'll also show you some images of the building in the days ahead. I, want, I didn't want to give you everything this weekend. I want to save some, put little, leave a little meat on the bone. But we'll let you know more in the weeks ahead. It's going to be so good. All right, if you get got your Bible, go to Acts chapter 15 and 2 Samuel chapter 6. Acts chapter 15, 2 Samuel chapter I want to talk to you today about worship. I want to talk to you about worship. And, And here's what I'm calling this message. If you've got your Being Transformed journal, you're taking notes this morning, I'm calling this message, Why Do They Worship Like That? Why Do They Worship Like That? I believe that a major part of what God is going to do in this church is going to come through worship. And when I say worship, I'm not talking about it's going to come through the fact that we've got such a great band that's doing such a good job. Although we do, and I'm so grateful for who God has given us and the incredible worship team we have here. Aren't you grateful for new song worship? I'm not just talking about like I believe that someday there's going to be songs that come out of this house that are global songs that affect not just our church, but the kingdom of God as a whole. I believe that's going to happen. But, but more than that, I believe that we as a church are called to be the worship leaders God's called All of us to be and that's what i'm inviting you to to today I hope you know that the only worship leaders in this room are not the people who stand up on this platform That your life is a platform that god wants to shine through And when you walk into this building how you worship and how you engage with god Gives other people permission to worship and actually invites other people to the god that you love and the god That you serve i'm going to show you that today in scripture. Before we dig into that though, let's pray and let's invite God to move. Lord, we, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for what you're doing in this church. Thank you, Lord, for the growth that we're experiencing, not only in numbers, but just in spiritual growth. God, we're so grateful. Thank you for what you're doing today. We invite you into this moment, ask you to speak to us, reveal your heart to us, reveal what we need to see today. We praise you and give you glory and honor for what you're going to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to be a church full of people who worship like David. Now, when I say David, I'm not talking about David Terry, our worship leader. Although, if I could get you to worship like David Terry, that would be pretty awesome. Sounding like David, getting into it like David, getting it like David. David does his little hopping like that. But, but I'm talking about King David. The Bible says this about David. It says that he had a, he had a heart... After God, Acts 13:22, and when he had removed him it's talking about Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave their testimony and said, "I have found David. I want you to notice that God was looking for someone like David. I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will." Notice when God found this guy named David who had a heart for who had a, a heart after him he found someone that through him he could fulfill his will isaiah or first samuel 13:14 says this talking about david talking about him replacing saul as king the lord hath sought again God is looking for something, sought something. Him, a man, after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be the captain over his people. Because thou, talking about Saul. Saul, you guys know he was the king of Israel. He was a half-hearted king, an arrogant king who didn't submit his life to God like he should. So he got removed. God sets in David. David had this heart for God. And now we know this about David. David was not perfect. If you read the Bible, you're going to, it's very clear that David was not perfect by any means. He had some big mistakes, some big sins, some, some big moments where he was away from God and off. But here's what we see in the life of David David had a heart for God, he was a man after God's own heart. That means he was chasing after the heart of God, he was in pursuit of the heart of God, he was in pursuit of communion and connection with God. And if you look at the life of David, what you're going to see through the life of David is that David was a worshiper. But not just that he worshipped, because he did. He worshipped in good times, bad times, hard times, low times, high times. But he was a worship leader. He recognized his role in worshiping God and glorifying God and lifting God up. And and, it's, and I believe that God is inviting us to be the kind of church where people, all of us, are worshiping in that way, where people around us, the world around us, looks at the way we worship God with our life, looks at the way we worship God when we come together in a service like this, and they say, what do they know that I don't know? What, what's going on with them? Why do they worship like that? What, what's the, what, what do they understand about God that would make them choose to sing and, and exalt God and live the way they live? What do they know that I don't know? I believe God is calling us to a higher standard of worship. And I believe that it's through this higher standard of worship that many people are going to come to know God the way that they should know Him. In fact, let me show you this in the Bible. Acts chapter 15, I told you to turn there. Verse 16, God is speaking here to His apostles, talking about some of how things are going to work in the New Testament church age. Verse 16, He says, After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up. Now check this out. So that, so that, that phrase, so that means that this is preparing for something, that there's a purpose behind what, what's getting ready to happen here. So that, the purpose behind God setting up this tabernacle of David is this, so that the rest of mankind, that's talking about all other human beings, may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles. Gentiles is a picture of people who are not currently in a covenant relationship with God. They're people who don't know God like we know God. The people who are away from God will come to know him and may seek him who are called by his name, says the Lord who does all these things. So check this out. God says here in this verse, That he's going to restore the tabernacle of David. In the last days, he's going to restore this this picture of this tabernacle of David. And when people see it, people who are away from God, people who don't have a relationship with God, people who are not in covenant with God, when they see the tabernacle of David restored, they're going to look at that and they're going to seek God because of it. So that leads us to the question, what's the tabernacle of David, right? So, So something you need to understand. In the Old Testament, there were three places where the presence of God was housed the tabernacle of Moses, the tabernacle of David, and the temple of Solomon. Only one of them is going to be re-established in, in this time. That's the tabernacle of David. The temple of Solomon will be restored in the millennium. But for now, we're, we're in the age where the tabernacle of David is the one to be restored. So what's what's this all about? Well, the tabernacle of Moses and the temple of Solomon are a picture of pre-Jesus religion. They're a picture of... of In the tabernacle of Moses and the temple of Solomon, it was very divided. It was very exclusive. Not everybody could access the presence of God. In fact, only one person, one time a year, could go into the Holy of Holies. The high priest could go into the Holy of Holies and pour out a blood offering on the Ark of the Covenant, the place where the presence of God was, that was way deep into this tent or into into this temple. They could go in there and they could pour out this offering to atone for the sins of all the people. But, but the tabernacle of Moses and in the, in the temple of Solomon are a picture of religiosity and checking all the boxes. And it was very complex and it was very exclusive. And, and the sound of, of the tabernacle of Moses and the temple of Solomon, the sound of them was the sound of slaughter. It was the sound of animals being sacrificed constantly. The, the smell of the tabernacle of Moses, the smell of the temple of Solomon was the smell of, of burning flesh. Is was this picture of, of sacrifice. It was this picture of, 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 of trying to kind of do things through the law and doing everything just right in order to only certain people have their sins atoned for and, and, and receive forgiveness. But the Temple of Solomon was different. It's sandwiched right there in the middle. And the Temple of Solomon was a, or the Tabernacle of Solomon was a tent, a one room tent that was mobile. And, and when it was, it was created, it was created with the, with the flaps up. In other words, Any person could walk by, Jew or Gentile, and they could look in and for the first time they could see the Ark of the Covenant. Like they could walk by and be like, dude, that's the, I saw the narrators of the Lost Ark, that's the Ark of the Covenant. (laughs) There it is. But it's a picture of them being able to look and see the place of the presence of God, have an encounter with the presence of God. And the other big key thing to the, the tabernacle of David was it was a place of worship. In fact, two main characteristics of the tabernacle of David was one, expressive worship was on display. When David set up the tabernacle of David, he set it up in such a way where he established 4,000 worship leaders to help lead worship. There's a solid worship team right there. And he also, at this time, 1 Chronicles 23 talks about this. God starts teaching him all these different uh, and showing him how to invent all these different instruments. So like string instruments and percussion instruments and wind instruments, he's inventing all this stuff, and it's the first time ever that worship is associated with being in the presence of God. So from the outside, a person could look, and when they see the temple, the tabernacle of David, here's what they see. They see a place where the presence of God is on display for all to see, and they see people in the presence of God, worshiping God and glorifying God. The second thing we see with the, the, ta- uh, the tabernacle of David was that blood sacrifices were introductory. In other words, they were necessary, they were important. Sin had to be atoned for, but after the initial blood sacrifice was made, the next sacrifice brought was the sacrifice of praise and worship. Now, I got good news for you today. We are a part of the New Testament church. In the New Testament church, you don't have to bring an animal and slaughter it every week at church. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. The sound of our church is not the sound of animals being slaughtered. And the smell of our church, although sometimes the smell of our church is the smell of marijuana, <laughs> but that's a whole, <laughs> people online are going, what are you talking about right now? There's a growery right over here that was not here when we started, just so you know. But that, that happened, and it's, it's a thing. It smells like skunk here every once in a while. Some of you, you enjoy that, though. Worship takes you back to your dorm days. <laughs> Bringing Cheetos into church with you, just okay. Let me let me get back to Jesus here. But but today the sacrifice. Listen, here's what I'm getting at. The sacrifice has been made. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He was the perfect Lamb of God that was slain for our sins. He willingly died on the cross. His blood was shed, and He atoned for our sins. He made a way so that we who were dead could now be free from our sins and be brought back to life. And now we can be in the presence of a holy God. And in fact, here's what's even greater. Because of Jesus, we now are the temple of David. We're the tabernacle of David. We are the ones that carry around the presence. Think about that. what the tabernacle of David was. It was a mobile tent with the flaps up. It was a mobile tent that could move around, and, and through it, people could see the presence of God on display, and they could see people of worship to God. That's who you're called to be. We're called to be a tabernacle of David-type people who, through our lives, we got the flaps up, we're living, not hidden behind. God's not hidden in our life. He's on display through our life, where people can see God through our life, and they can see worship expressed to Him through our life, and especially when we come into the house of God like this to worship Him together. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. So that's what we're supposed to be. But how many of you know, we don't always live that out perfectly. Like we don't always display that like we should. And I I really believe that there's three major obstacles that can get in the way that that keep us from being the people of God who who display the image of God in such a way that the world looks at us and goes, man, what did they know that I don't know? Why do they worship the way that they're worshiping God? So look at this with me. 2 Samuel chapter six, we see three obstacles David is dealing with. So David is going to get the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant has been stolen. The Philistine people have stolen it. They saw the importance of the presence of God, and so they went and stole it for their own use, but it didn't work out so well. So David is now going to get it, to retrieve it, and he's going to bring it back from captivity to the city of David where he's going to put it on display and he will, he will set up this tabernacle of David. He's going to get it to bring it there. And on the way, he runs into these three obstacles. And I think these three obstacles that David runs into are a picture of the obstacles we can deal with. Look at this with me. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1. David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all his men went to Bala, to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God. Verse three, they set the ark of God on a new cart. Now stop right there. This was not the way that the Jewish people were to carry the ark of the presence of God. The the way that the, the ark was supposed to be carried by the people of God was it was supposed to be, it had these poles on the side of it. And they were to take those poles and they were to lift it up onto the shoulders of sanctified priests. Sanctified priests means priests who have gone through a cleansing process, who are examining their lives, looking at their lives and saying, am I where I should be when it comes to this process of carrying the presence of God where it's supposed to go? And so those those priests would be sanctified and then they would come up and they would shoulder the presence of God and they would take, they would walk the presence of God where it was supposed to go. That's how it's supposed to go. But here, David is using Philistine means to move the ark. Philistines moved it on a cart. That's not how God's people are supposed to move it. So, so David is using a man-made means to kind of get, like the Philistines moved it this way because they're trying to use it. They're trying to kind of, to kind of play with it a little bit. And David is is reverting to that same kind of means, and God don't like it. Look at this with me, verse 6. When they came to the threshing floor of Nikon, Uzzah. Somebody say Uzzah. Uzzah. It's a good name, Uzzah. Sounds like an Uzi, right? Good boy, tough name, Uzzah. Reached out, took hold of the ark of God, because the oxen stumbled. The oxen stumbled. It's not supposed to be carried on on a cart. It's supposed to be carried by a sanctified priest. They're carrying it the wrong way. The oxen stumbles. The ark starts to fall. Uzzah reaches out to try to to try to stabilize it. And look at this, verse seven. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Not, not just that he touches the ark, because he, we know that that's wrong. Numbers 14 tells us you're not supposed to touch holy things. If you touch the holy things, God told Moses, if they touch the holy things, they're going to die. That's known. They know this. So that, that was a mess up, but it's, it's the overall irreverence of the whole moment here. They're not seeing the presence of God like they should, and so they're not carrying it the proper way, and it leads to death. It leads to destruction. Struck him down. He died beside the ark of God. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. God's presence is hosted, not handled. Amen. God's presence is to be hosted, not handled. I think we're living in a day and age where we, we, we don't recognize and have a reverence for the presence of God sometimes like we should in the church. We see the presence of God as like, it's about us. I want to, get a, I want to go to church. I've had a bad week. I need to go to church so I can get in worship and I can get my feels. And get goosebumps. We're making it about us. And, and some churches have catered to that. We make the, the, the part of worship in a church service. It's all about entertaining people. It's all about trying to you know, give people what they want. It's about people instead of it being about God. Listen, our worship is supposed to be aimed at God. And, and the way that, that the presence of God is carried, if we want to see the presence of God carried in our church and, and, you know, people come to New Song Church and they'll tell me, there's just something that when I first came here, just something felt right. That right feeling is the presence of God. And the reason it's on display is because we approach it the right way. We love you. I want you to know we love you. We want you to feel welcomed in this house, but you are not the guest of honor in this house. Jesus is. And above all, we want to welcome him here. We want him to find a place. Because if he shows up, then everything else will work out just fine. But, but so often what we do is we, we don't approach the presence of God the right way. And so we can't carry it. We're trying to carry it through man-made means. We're trying to just use it for our benefit. We're sticking the presence of God on a cart. And we're not examining, our, examining ourselves. Listen, here, here's good news for you. You are a king and a priest. Amen. Jesus established that for you. Revelation 1, 10, one six says, We have been established as kings and priests. You're a priest. You're a king according to the the new covenant relationship we can have with God. So you can carry the presence of God, but you just can't carry it any way you want to. I'm not asking you to be perfect. You don't have to be a perfect priest, you're a prepared priest. My question is Are you preparing yourself like you should? Like like a couple things. One, do you worship God any other time but here at church on Sunday or Saturday night? Is it just the once a week deal? Are you in the word at all? Are you studying God's word at all? The Bible says you'll worship him in spirit and in truth. So, so how can you worship him in truth if you don't know the truth? The word of God is truth. You can't have the right spirit towards worship if you don't know the truth about who God is. Are, are you, are you, do you have sin in your life that you're not dealing with? Do you have an unforgiveness in your heart that you're not dealing with? Like part of being a sanctified priest who carries the presence of God is going, am I where I need to be? Let me remind you, God is a holy God. He's a holy God. And we can't just mess around with this. Like he loves you and we can come humbly before the throne of grace. Like there's a, there's a throne of grace. He loves you. But, but you need to understand if you're going to carry the presence of God, if we're going to be the church that worships God and displays the image of God through our lives, through our worship, then we have to recognize we can't just come to God any way we want to because the presence of God will not, will not just be handled. It has to be hosted. Are you hosting the presence of God like you should? Like if you find yourself going, I never feel the presence of God in services. Are you hosting the presence of God in your life? Like are you, are you making it possible for God to show up in your life like he wants to? we got to host the presence of God. God's presence is hosted, not handled. Here's the second thing we see, is that our view of God must be correct. If we're going to be the tabernacle of David people that God's called us to be, we've got to have the right view when it comes to God. Because if you have the wrong view of God, you're going to have a hard time worshiping him the right way. So look at this, verse 8. It says, then David was angry. This is after Uzzah drops dead. David was angry. Notice that. He's angry at God because of the Lord's wrath had been broken out against Uzzah. Verse nine, David was afraid. So he's he's angry and he's afraid of the Lord that day and said, how will the ark of the Lord ever come to me? I want you to know something. When circumstances didn't go the way David thought they would, he became angry and afraid. His perception of God got adjusted and worship stopped. And it's important that you understand your view of God, how you see God is so important to how you will worship God. If you see God the wrong way, you're going to have a hard time worshiping him the right way. And there's an enemy in your life. There really is a real devil. Jesus talked about Satan. There's a real devil. The Bible says he, he's seeking who he can devour. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. Like when, when, the, when we talk about the, like the devil, we're not just trying to kind of like, we're not talking about the boogeyman here to try to just get you to do what we want you to do. Like that's not what this is. There is a real enemy of your life. And what he wants to do is he wants to come alongside you and he wants to begin to speak to you and whisper into your ear. And he's a hurt whisperer. And he'll come alongside and he'll speak into the problems of your life, the pain of your life, the letdowns of your life, the discouragement of your life. He'll, he'll speak about every disadvantage you've ever faced, every premature death you've ever experienced. He'll come to you and he'll begin to try to divide you against God. And the Bible says this about him. It says that the devil, Satan, deceives the entire world. He's working to deceive you. And here's how he wants to deceive you. He wants to come to you in your pain. He wants to come to you in your fear. He wants to come to you in those things. And he wants to say to you, that happened because of God. God did that to you. And because here's what he knows. If he can get you to believe that God is untrustworthy if god is hard to understand god is just kind of like man sometimes he's good sometimes he's bad i don't really know what he's going to do he's kind of up in the air here if he can get you to believe that you're going to have a hard time worshiping that god just in the same way like if you have a relationship with someone and sometimes they're really nice to you and sometimes they punch you in the face how many of you know like when you're having a tough time you're going to have a hard time going to that person Because you're not really sure. Am I having the hard time because of you? And if I come to you in my hard time, are you just going to hit me harder? You see what I'm saying? Like our view of God is so important. And so let me help you with your view of God because, because the Bible says you'll know the truth and it'll set you free, right? So here's the truth about God. God is good. And God, listen, God is not the cause of your pain. God is not the cause of your pain. He's not the cause of your loss. Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. And what did Jesus do? I I don't see in scripture Jesus killing people. I don't see him hurting people. I don't see him taking people out. I see Jesus healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Who did the oppressing? The devil. But what we do is we give Jesus credit for what the devil's doing. And it causes this rift to be between us and God. And it causes our worship to stop. If you see God the wrong way, you're gonna have a hard time worshiping him. The right way, and you're not going to be able to display His image of worship in this world. Listen, God is not the cause of your pain, and you got to get this because Jesus said it like this in Matthew 11. He said, "Come to me, all who are weary and heavy and burdened, and I will give you rest." You know, in this world, you're going to face weariness, you're going to face burdens, you're going to face pain, you're going to face lost. This this world is broken. And the people of this world, sinful people are broken and they're gonna let you down and they're gonna hurt you. And and the brokenness of this world is gonna try to get all up in your business sometimes. And sometimes stuff's gonna happen. But when it happens, God did not do that. God didn't do that. God wants to help you in the middle of that. But if you see him as the cause of that, you're not gonna come to him when you're weary and burdened. When the burdens of this life and the weariness of this world get on you, you won't come to him if you think that he did it. So you've got to have the right view of God. If we're going to be the Acts 15 tabernacle of David, people who express the image of God in this world, display his image, display his presence and display what true worship looks like to this amazing God, we got to get this right. Here's the third thing we got to figure out is we got to overlook fear. Now, when I talk about fear, I'm not talking about just being afraid of stuff. I'm talking about this idea, the fear of man. The fear of man is a major obstacle when it comes to worship. The fear of man is this idea that says, if I just go for it, like if I just sell out to Jesus and live a life out in the world, what will people think? If I just come to church and I just sing and worship and lift my hands and bow before the Lord and do these things, what will people think around me? David dealt with this. Second Samuel chapter six, he's bringing the ark home. And it's interesting, like he's going all out now. Like before, he had it on a cart. Now he's adjusted, okay? He's adjusted, and he's, he's like super adjusted. Like So now they've got it up on the sanctified priest's shoulders. They're carrying it. Every six steps on the seventh step, they kill an animal as a sacrifice of worship, and he dances and praises the Lord every seven steps. So it's just a path of, of sacrifice and blood and worship as he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the city of David, Jerusalem. And as he gets close, he runs into something. Look at this with me, 2 Samuel 6, 16. But as the Ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, this is Saul's daughter, she's David's wife, looked down from her window. Notice she's looking down at David. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, like getting it, David's getting it in worship here, okay? She was filled with contempt for him. That means she despised him. So the apple doesn't fall far from the tree here. You have Michael, the daughter of Saul. Saul, arrogant. Saul, half-hearted. And his daughter looks just like him. And so David comes into his house, verse 20. When David returned home to bless his family, guys, it was awesome. You should have seen what God did on this path. We killed so many animals, it was amazing. (laughs) Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how distinguished a king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord, in other words, I, I don't really care what you think. This wasn't about you. Yeah. Look at this. Who chose me above your father and all his family? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> A little dig there. <laughs> but but get, get what David is saying here. This wasn't, I don't care what you think. Yeah. This ain't about you, girl. And let me just remind you, sister, that your daddy, your half-hearted daddy ain't on the throne no more. Yeah. God chose a man after His own heart. He chose me, and my worship is unto Him. Says in verse, uh, goes on here, verse twenty-one. He talking about God appointed me as the leader of Israel. The people, of the, Lord, so, uh, to the people of the Lord, so I celebrate before the Lord. This is, to the, this is to God. Yes, and I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I'm distinguished. So Michael, the daughter of Saul, remained childless throughout her entire life. Michael says, David, you look like a fool. And David says, oh yeah? Well, that ain't the half of it, girl. And I will get even more foolish-looking than this before your eyes because my worship is not about you. It's about God. There's this fear of man that I think speaks to every person. And I think there's this voice of Michael that tries to come to every one of us and says, you look like an idiot. What are you doing? What What will they think? And if you choose to live your life based on trying to please everyone around you, you are going to be, just so you know, miserable. In fact, the Bible talks about this fear of man stuff. Look at this with me. Uh, Proverbs 29, 25. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. That word snare, this is interesting, means a hook designed to capture you by the nose. This isn't like a pretty nose ring in a girl. This is like the idea of a, of a ring in the, in, the, in the snout of a hog that is designed to lead that Hog to death to lead it to the slaughter. This is the picture of the person who goes through life going, oh, I, gotta, I gotta make everybody else happy. I gotta try to please everybody. Listen, trying to please everybody, just so you know, that's, that is a moving target, my friends. Because let me just tell you something. People don't know what they want. They don't. and you, And one size doesn't fit all here. And what they want today, guess what? They won't want tomorrow. And so you're trying to please everybody else around you, trying to, make your life about what other people think, you're going to feel like a pig being led to the slaughter. You're going to be going in directions you don't want to go. You're going to be miserable. Eugene Peterson says this, The Christian who cares only for God's approval lives free of the tyranny of, com- of comfortous pressures, relaxed under the, str- under the steady direction of the God who loves us and gives himself for us. Those who try to please the world by, the be- by their behavior very quickly find themselves under the unkind surveillance of a thousand critics. Paul said it like this in Galatians 1.10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? I want you to notice something. He doesn't say you can do both. Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. In other words, if I'm trying to make everybody else in this world happy, I'm not really seeking to please God like I should. So, so here's, here's the question for you. Who are you aiming to please? Who are you aiming to please? With how you live your life, who are you aiming to please? With how you worship God, who are you aiming to please? You know, I, I could show you in scripture all these verses that speak to the people of God, worshiping God with songs, with shouts, by clapping our hands, by bowing before the Lord, by dancing before the Lord. You say, Pastor Josh, are you saying we can dance? Not in this building, not very easily. Don't have a lot of room in here. But, but I also want you to know, can we obey the Lord and what He's asking us to do? Absolutely. Like if you're in worship and the Spirit of God hits you and you want to dance before the Lord, that's fine. Like go for it. it will, will, the ushers will let you know if it gets out of hand but we want you to worship the Lord. You say, well, Pastor Josh, I don't know. I just don't, that's just not my personality. I don't feel really comfortable with that. I, I just, you know, that, that's just not. Okay, so, so here's what you've decided, just so you know, just so you know. I'm just letting you know, just being real with you. You've decided that I'm gonna bring the Lord what I want to give the Lord, not what he asks me to give him. You've made worship about you. Worship is about I, So what I want. In fact, I I think if probably if you were to write down, like, why don't I? Like, why don't I bow before the Lord in worship? Why don't I lift my hands in worship? Why don't I sing? Why do I just stand there and look at everything? Why don't I do it? I bet your answer starts with an I. Well, I'm just not comfortable with it. I don't really feel like doing that. I don't know what other people. I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm calling you up because I believe God has called us up as a church to be his people who worship and express our love to him fully. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Put your hand on your chest. You got breath in your lungs? Then you should be praising the Lord. And you don't get to determine what that looks like all the time. We do, it, we do what God wants us to do. And I don't know about you, man. I, I don't know your story, but I know mine. And at one point in my life, I was a mess. I was, I grew up in church and I, I man, I was a fake and I was a phony. And in my early twenties, I was bound. I was bound by sin. I was afraid. I was so prideful. And I, I, I look back like at who I was in my first couple years of years of my marriage to Sarah And I'm ashamed of the kind of person I was. In fact, I'll see people sometimes that I know from that season that I haven't seen in years. And it's kind of like, hey, I'm not that guy anymore. Like I got saved. (laughs) I'm a different dude now. But but here's what happened to me is I got to this point where I, I turned to the Lord. And just so you know, like I didn't turn to the Lord because I just had this epiphany of like, no, I'm gonna do it. I had been trying to do it my way for years and it wasn't working. And now my life was falling apart. Sarah had left me. I lost my job. My life was a mess. And it was from that place that I said, Lord, my way ain't working. I give you everything. And I surrendered my heart to God. And you would think that God would be kind of like, oh, now you're going to turn to me. That's not what I found. What I found was then the story of the prodigal son, which I call the story of the running father, because in the story, when the son began to come home, the father saw him in the distance and the father ran to him. He met him as he was coming to him. That's what I found. God came running to me and he embraced me and he gave me a place in the family and he began to bless me and promote me and help me and lead me. And and he did all this to to change my life. And and so listen, all he wants from me is my worship. That's what he wants in return. So so hear me, I'm gonna worship the Lord. (laughs) I'm gonna worship the Lord and I'm gonna do it how I feel like he's leading me to do it. And I don't give a rip what you think about it. I really don't. I don't care. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to sing and I'm going to dance and I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to clap and I'm going to shout and I'm going to go for it because my God has been too good for me to assume that he knows how I feel about him. I will let him know and I will let everybody else around me know this God saved me. This God freed me. This God gave me life and I am surrendered to him fully. And I hope you get there. And I believe in getting there, man. We create an atmosphere where the world comes in and goes, what is this? What do you know that I don't know? Because I'm hurting and I'm broken and I'm lost and I'm not finding answers out here. But do you know something? Because I can see it on you. There's something about your life that makes me wanna seek the God that you know. That's what this verse tells us in Acts 15. There's something about you saying, God, I worship you, I glorify you, I'm gonna go for it that says to the world, I want the God that they serve. We wanna help people know, God, here's how you do it. Be a worshiper. Go all in. Go for it. Choose to take those steps of faith in worshiping God. Don't assume he knows how you feel. Show him. Show him in your life. Show him in your worship. Let's be that church. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful that you are my God, that you love me, that you made a way for me. And I just pray, Lord, today that you would speak to every individual in this room. Lord, I believe you're calling us up to a new standard. We recognize that the entirety of our life is a platform that preaches and speaks and ministers and points people to you, points our kids to you, points our marriage to you. And so, Lord, where we've fallen short in this, where we've been stubborn and stiff-necked, God, we ask you to forgive us. And where we've just been off and we just didn't know, Lord, We ask you to help us. And I pray that everybody in here, Lord, I I know you, I'm not expecting everybody in here to be at a 10 next week in worship, but I pray that you would help lead every person in this room to take the steps that you're inviting them to. Or maybe maybe for them, it's lifting their hands for the first time. Maybe for them, it's bowing before the Lord for the first time. Maybe for them, it's singing. Whatever the case may be, Lord, I pray you would help us to take those steps. Lord, I pray that you would help us to not just practice this at church, but to practice it in our homes. Help us to be a people who glorify you worship you and honor you. Help us to be a people who, who set, the, set the stage for you so that you can be seen. Lord, we wanna be the people of the presence of God, displaying the presence of God with the, with the flaps up so that the world can see you through our life, Lord. And, and, and Lord, that, that through our life, people would see what worship to this great God looks like. Help us with that, Lord. We praise you for it and thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite the altar ministry team to come down at this time. If you're here today and you have a prayer need of some kind, we would love to pray for you. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need wisdom. Maybe you need direction. Um, I don't know what it is, but if it matters to you, it matters to God. And we would love to pray with you today and join our faith with you in whatever you're dealing with. Church, we're going to go back into a time of worship. Would you stand with me? I want to encourage you. This is an opportunity for you to respond. And I'm telling you, the voice of Michael even right now starts going, uh, okay, here we go. Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to make this about the Lord or are you going to make it about you? I want to encourage you, like take those steps of faith right now. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we give you glory and we honor you and we thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your life, that would, your blood that was shed so that we could have life. Thank you, Lord God. We won't sit silently and just watch. Lord, we, we, we love you. And we want your life to be seen through us. So, Lord, I pray right now in this moment, as we respond to you in worship, as we respond in, in faith and receive prayer, light, Lord, right now, I think that you, that you draw all people to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. For more information on our church or for more resources to help you grow in your faith, Go to newsongpeople.com or download our app by searching for Newsong Church OKC in the App Store.